mom's stories take her all around the world and put her in front of some pretty fascinating people. But some of my favorite stories of hers just involve the crazy experiences at home growing up. Uh, it was probably like the first in the neighborhood, uh, you know, but like I said, he was into music. So he wanted a setup that was really good and that could, uh, you know, really bring out the artists, their voices and the rhythm and all that stuff. So, and like I said, he loved to dance. Mm -hmm. So he would put that stuff on. He'd be down in the basement. He'd just be dancing away. And I'd come down and I would dance a little bit. To who? Um, to my father. To who? To who? What to which artists? Oh, oh, Benny Goodman, uh, Harry Belafonte, um, um, mm-hmm. who's the other guy? Um, Benny Goodman, Harry James, we had the Andrew Sisters, mm-hmm. uh, and other groups of that era. So know. the big band type the ba- of groups. All big band sounds, yeah, all big band. Huh. How long had he been listening to that? Since the war, you know, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, since the war. When he was in the war, that's what they would play. They would go to the uh, mess hall. And he was in the Army, so he was in the Army, right? He was in the Army, Right, yeah, and yeah. then he would play yeah. in a band. Yeah. They let him play. Yeah, they let him play. Did he have any stories about that? Um, about playing and the, how they let him do that? Yeah, they knew, they knew he was talented, so they, they let him play in the band. Hmm. But like I said, more, more so... Uh, was he was a little crazy, so he used to like, for instance, my mother. He met my mother in a deported persons camp, mm-hmm. and he was playing music. You know, the army. He was on leave or something like that, and he was playing music. Well, sure enough, he need, meets my mother, and uh, she didn't want to. She didn't like him at first, mm-hmm, right. and he was just very persistent. And he kept coming after her. He would cut a hole in the fence. And he would bring her black market stockings with the seam up the back and ice cream and all kinds He's of... He's bringing her gifts. Yeah, yeah he right. would bring her gifts, and he was trying to woo her. Right. So it reminds th- me of, of birds, the way the male will like bring little colorful bits of string to put in the nest. <laughs> Is that something. what he'll do? Yeah. I didn't know that. Some birds will do that. Oh. Yeah. So that's basically, you know, what he would do. Uh, he... He would just uh, play and his it music. So, so the music was part of the wooing. Yeah, yeah. And she, like I said, she thought he was a little nuts. Uh, but she grew to like him after a while. She said he was so damn persistent that she couldn't get rid of him. Right. And then she started to get to know him. And uh, she said he found out he was a nice guy and all that. She told me that they didn't call him Morty, his, his name. They called him Clint. Oh, yeah? Supposedly, because they thought he looked like Clint Eastwood. Oh. Huh. Well, yeah. well that doesn't hurt. Yeah, well, and Clint was a, Clint was a handsome guy. Good, handsome yeah, guy, yeah. That's a very and handsome that was man when right there. Dad had hair. When yeah. my father had hair. That didn't last. <laughs> but, <laughs> and she eventually gave him a chance. She, yeah, she yeah, she chance. eventually gave him a chance, and uh, he ended up, he brought her over as a war bride. So she was on that big ship. Uh, coming over to America, kind of like in Titanic at the end when she's on that ship mm. and she's coming over to America. Same type of deal. They were all on deck. Uh, she said they couldn't go down below because they were so sick to their stomach they were throwing their guts up. <laughs> so they all went up top. Oh, this had to be a long boat ride, I'm sure. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I think she, I think she said it was about a month. 
Wow. God. Yeah. And, you know, and they had food and stuff on board. And she said, but she said people were sick as a dog. She said they just couldn't, they couldn't eat anything. After a while, they just might as well just have chucked the food over the side. <laughs> and she was born in Lithuania, and, and that deported persons camp was in Germany, right? Yeah. So this was her first time in America. Yeah. Yeah? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It was her first time in America, and she couldn't speak any English. Oh, really? Yeah, so luckily my grandfather spoke German, and he was able to communicate with her. Because she came over and she was crying to him and crying because she didn't know anybody and she didn't speak any English. And he said, don't you worry. He says, you know, I'll, I'll teach you. <laughs> oh. Well, that was, so he took her under his sweet. wing, taught her how to drive, taught her how to speak English. Uh, uh, you know, literally, little by little by little by little. And she learned. Thank goodness for your grandfather. Yeah, and then my grandfather. My grandmother didn't know that she was Protestant, and my grandfather. Your grandmother, your your father's, father's mom, mom. Uh, who mm. uh, they were they were Jewish. They were Jewish. Okay, so this was an issue. Yeah, and they he she didn't realize that she was a shiksa. So when she came over, you know, my grandfather said, "No, don't worry about it." He says, "He says we love you regardless of what you are." And she said, well, I'm not converting. He said, we're not asking you to convert. He said, you do whatever you want, he says. And he says, if anybody has a problem with it, you come see me. He said, I'll take care of it. That's right. This is America. Yep. And go. his family came to accept her. Yeah, eventually, eventually. But she used to, uh, she had two other daughter-in-laws. And she always basically said that she liked the other two better than my mother. Even though my mother was the one that literally took care of her when she started, when my, after my grandfather passed away. Oh, well, that's well, that's, unfor that's unfortunate that she was, wasn't favored as much, and it sounds no. like she did a lot for her. Yeah, well, my, my mother was that way. You know, during the war, they took care of everybody. Anybody needed help, you, you helped them. Right. And apparently she was tolerant of your, your father having a drum set in the basement and other bands coming over did she yeah this means you had to have a house full of music sometimes we had, yeah. a, had a house full of banging is what we had we had a house full of people banging on the drums and <coughs> making <Excuse> music <laughs> and turning the stereo up loud then turning it down and we had a house full of music and and, and like i said they would go downstairs he and his friends and they'd be downstairs playing and drinking and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then they'd come upstairs and, you know, and I'd be sitting on the stairs listening to them. And my father was like, come on down, come on down. My mother's like, you will not go down there. You will go upstairs to your room and you will stay in there. And so, you know, I did. But I kept sneaking down on the steps to listen. Was there ever a time when you got to go down there and... Hang out? No, mom. Mom didn't want that. Yeah. So you never got a chance to go. No, they. they it was too late. And, and when was this about? This is probably right around 1960 or so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's kind of you know the kid kids were to be seen and not heard, and you you didn't really get to fraternize with the adults back then. That's mm -hmm. true. Was it 60 or maybe 50? Well, you were born in 50, so oh, it probably wasn't then. 60. Okay, yeah. maybe 60. <coughs> okay, so 10. That's a very that's a great age for getting into music. Mm -hmm. And what was it like when he'd put on records? Um, scratchy. <laughs> <laughs> the music was scratchy, or at least the records were, because he kept 
sliding them across the records, you know, the needle. So he would end up scratching up all the records. Oh, he wasn't the best at keeping them in good condition. No, no. And the same. And when uh, would they skip a lot? Yeah, yeah, they would skip. Yeah. I mean, literally, you could see they had chunks taken out. Of them. Oh yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Those are big. And my uh, brother took some of the music uh, that we had left, the albums and stuff, because we had bins full of albums between my father's stuff and my stuff and bins. my brother's stuff. Yeah, literally bins, big bins filled with records, big record albums. Like how many bins, would you think? Two. Okay, but, but, they're, but they're really long and big. Yeah. Yeah. They were big. My parents have some of those, too. I'm trying to take them away now, because <laughs> vinyl's back, as we all know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like I said, it was, uh, you know, bins, bins of music, and uh, it was... Uh, Music was a stationary part of life. You know, you, you got up in the morning, you went to school, you came back, put on your records, you danced, you played around, you played on TV for a bit, then everything shut down, you had to get your homework done, you know, everything done, but as soon as that was over, you went onto the TV or back downstairs, or, you know, you were playing. Right. Did, were your friends all into music too? Yeah, pretty much everybody was. Uh, not a lot of them could dance real well, but they tried. Yeah. <laughs> How'd your parents feel about some of the music that was coming out when you were young? They thought it was nuts. Yeah. Yeah, they thought it was crazy. You know. Were they not big fans of rock and roll? Well, they liked rock and roll. I mean, you know, like Chuck Berry or the early stuff. Yeah, they liked it. They they liked the Beatles. They didn't quite understand them, but it, they liked them. They thought their music was good and rhythmic and nice and happy and uh but you know they didn't understand the music very well and then when we had the uh st songs about war and stuff like that when we had the war in vietnam so later on right they didn't understand anything how come well first of all they thought we shouldn't be there uh you know everybody thought vietnam was bad yeah. uh and that we should have stayed out of it Mm -hmm. which we probably should have. Mm. Uh, you know, it was a useless war. It was a feudal war. Mm. And I think a certain amount of the music had that same kind of thought, huh? Mm. Mm. So how'd they feel about that, like protest songs? Well, they, did, they didn't care for it. You they, know. They, they still didn't care for it. They didn't, they didn't care for protest music. You know, everything was you backed your country, you backed what was going on, you backed everything. Even though they still didn't believe in the war. Even though you didn't believe in the war, you still stood up for your country. And if your country went into that war, you went into the war. In fact, my mother was a riveter on airplanes. Oh, like Rosie, like the icon. Uh-huh. Really? Yeah, they put her to work doing that. During the 70s? Uh, or, or during the war. During, during the six, Vietnam or during World War World II? World War II. Oh, back during World War II. Yeah, oh, they, had, they okay. had my mom okay. as a riveter. Uh Okay, so she, she had that. She was also a telephone operator because she had a pleasant voice. Mm. So they put her on the radio as well. Really? So who was she working for? Like the government. The government? Mm. Oh, wow. So they had a. Um, yeah, that's a. That's sort of. Uh, so against the war for the troops. I think that's what we eventually. That's how we kind of. Mm -hmm spread it out there uh remember that was when we were in the iraq war that was a lot a lot that were people yeah. were saying because they didn't want to be against i think that was a reaction against the vietnam war yeah 
anyway. Well, anybody that was in the war, World War Two mm-hmm. or World War One, mm-hmm. you will, if you talk to them, they will tell you that that war was the worst, which it was not. I mean, World War Two was the worst because literally Europe was being taken over mm-hmm. by the Nazis. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the Americans and France and England and mm-hmm. Italy, they all band together, you know. Because Maybe not Italy. Well, not Italy. Yeah, not Italy. Right? In World War One, they did. Yeah. Yeah. But, but in yeah. World War Two, they all banded together mm-hmm. to get Hitler out of there, mm-hmm. you know, right. because they were just... My mother was driven off her farm three times. Right. So that's where they were coming from to still support the effort mm. in the Vietnam era. And what would happen was the Russians would come onto the property or a property and the Russians would drag the women out to the barn. They'd rape them and everything and then they'd leave them there and then they'd pillage the house and take all whatever they wanted, the furniture, you know, jewelry, mm-hmm. you know, silver, whatever. Uh, but right. she said... Uh, the war was just crazy. I mean, yeah, that, and then because of the the horrors of World War Two, they were they were not a fan of getting back into another conflict in Vietnam. No, mm-hmm. no. But still not a fan of the the protest music coming out of it because they felt like you needed to stand by your country. Right mm-hmm. now, Arnie, my brother, when they had the draft for Vietnam, mm-hmm. my brother's number was number two. So what he, does that mean? Yeah, that means he was going to the war. To really, because yes, when in the in the number system, somehow, like the high, I guess the higher your number was, the more less chance you had of going. The lower your number was, the more chance you had of going. My goodness. So my father freaked out when my brother got his number, and he wanted to send my brother to Canada. My can uh, my brother wanted to go to Canada. And, and for reference, your mother's family lived in Canada. Lived in so Canada. So we had family there. Yeah. Oh. So Arnie wanted to go to fa- Canada, and my father wouldn't let him go. My father f- freaked out and said, you're not leaving the country, you know, just because we're at a war. Mm. Uh, so my father got him into the uh, reserves. Okay. And my brother hated it, hated it. He, he resented my father, wouldn't talk to him for years. Really? Literally. Because my father made him go to the boot camp and reserves. And I went to boot camp to see him. Yeah. And they marched his rear end. But he went to military academy also. So my father was trying to toughen him up way back when. Right. He'd already gone to military academy. He already went to military academy. So this wasn't completely unheard of for him to, to go to the reserves. No. And end with that, li- that sort of life, right? Yep. But my brother hated him for it. And my brother took it out on him and... He mm. said, you had no right to do that. It was my choice. My father said, I'm not seeing you go get killed. He said, not for that. You know, so he said, World War II. He said, we were fighting for our lives. He said, you're going there to fight for the Vietnam? Mm. <laughs> he mm. was like, what are you, crazy? Mm. <laughs> so my brother was not real happy about that. So that caused a big rift. No kidding. And that uh, that led to kind of some animosity between them for several years. Many years. Yeah. Many years. But they eventually reconciled. They reconciled, and finally, you know, my father uh, backed off and my brother backed off. But yeah, it was a tough time between them. I bet it was. Yeah. As an adult, did you ever speak with your brother about that experience, and did he change how he felt about it? or? No, he really didn't. He felt, he felt that war was wrong. He said, I would have done the same thing ten times over. 
So it didn't matter where it was, where, when it was. He said, I was not going to Vietnam to fight. And how long was he in the reserves? Three years. Three years. That's a lot of time. It yeah, is a long time. <laughs> it's a long time. And went in at what, uh, 17, 18? Yeah. Yeah. 18, so. I did think. You, did you ever get to see him while he was there or in it? Just boot I, camp, right? Yeah, yeah. I, went, I went to his boot camp. You to, did? To see him one time. They wouldn't let me see him. Yeah. He was out in the field training. Oh. So they wouldn't let me see him. And um, that was all of the military connection that he had, huh? Yeah. After his three years, was there anything he had to do or nope. any responsibility? He was supposed to go to camp like once a year or something for like a week or whatever, which he did. He had to do it. You know, he had to comply. Huh. Otherwise, they'd throw his ass in the army. Huh. <laughs> What were you doing around this time? You were a couple years younger than him. Yeah, I was having fun. You were having fun? <laughs> Working? No, I was younger than him, you know, so. So you are probably 16, 17 as he yeah. was going through that. And so you eventually had to have your first job. What was your first job? My first job, I worked for uh, Calvin Klein and uh, uh, Oscar de la Renta. Uh, That's this a health after, sales. sales. After going to school or? Yeah. That's right. So you tried to go to school a couple times first. Yeah. Uh, so did you work at all during high school or anything like that? No. no, no. Never had a job? No. no. No lemonade stands? No lifeguard? No, my father wouldn't allow it. My father wanted me concentrating on my studies and not working. Besides, I lived out in Muttontown, which is, it wasn't a neighborhood where you could put a stand on the corner and everybody from the neighborhood would come and buy lemonade. The houses were two and three acres apart. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Was, wow. So that's so you didn't have to have a job and you just focused on your studies. And how did you like your first how did you like your first job with old Cal? Well, I I liked it. The first first job I had was a summer job at uh, oh. the airport, JFK, and I announced flights. Oh. Yeah, so I was the voice of the airport. So you've been on the mic before. Yeah. Oh. Wow. How was that job? What was that like? That was great. I was the voice of the airport, and and my uh, my uh, uncle came into the airport one time, and he heard me and he started laughing. He goes, "You're pretty good." He says, "You're pretty good." BOAC flight five hundred four is now arriving in the East Arcade. Please send your passengers to Terminal A to pick up their to pick up their luggage, and other belongings. Okay, still got yeah, it. Yeah, you still got it, huh? Still got it. I would feel comforted. How long did you do that for? Uh, a summer. Okay. Yeah. And then, then the moonwalk came, and we got hit with rioters charging <laughs> the stand. Rioters? Yeah. What were they, they rioting they about? They were rioting against uh, us doing anything other than in the United States. They didn't want us doing it. They didn't want us going to war outside the United you know, unless it was something the United States was fighting for. So there were all these people that were rioting. At the airport? At the airport. And we were at the, in, you know, the information counter. Okay. And all of a sudden I'm standing there and there's all these people coming at me. And I was like, oh my God. So we all left. You know, we went out from behind the counter, and we literally took off and went in the back. And uh, we were like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. And they said they're rioting at the airport, you know. They're protesting and everything. So the, the war protesters came to JFK and came right at you. And for, so how, so you, so you were back in the, so was your work day over then? 
Did you have to go home? No, we had to stay in the back and then eventually go back out to the counter. So they cleared them out of there? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the wow. cops came out. And okay. Yeah, and they tossed everybody outside. Was that weird, just going back to... Very weird. Very weird. Was everyone just freaked out? Well, everyone was, but, you know, there was really nothing. You knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was being broadcast on these big, huge screens, TV screens, so you knew what the hell was happening. Sure. And uh, but like I said, it was it was nuts. It was a nuts time. It was it was just like like I said, you know, when I went to all these concerts. Yeah. I used to go and do whatever the hell I wanted, you know, but these concerts were all in protest of wars. Did you ever join a protest? Or did you ever go hang out at a protest? No, I stayed away from those. Okay. Yeah. That weren't you didn't get too political. No, I, yeah. I, I, it was too volatile. Uh, yeah. I, I could see that for sure. Yeah, it was yeah, pretty was volatile. Very time. smart. And was that same? Was that the your your parents pressuring? Did they want to keep you guys away from that kind of scene? Well, they wanted us away from anything that had to do with war. Anything. Yeah. Did did you tell them about what happened at the airport? Your parents? Probably. They probably knew. I'm sure. Probably heard they about saw, it. They sure. saw it on TV. Were yeah. they scared? I'm sure they were. You know, my father, like I said, my father always used to say, well, you can't do that job. And I was like, yes, I can. And this was during the summer. Yeah. Um, do yeah. you remember which uh, where you were in school at the time? No. Okay. No. And what was your next job? Yeah. I don't remember. Was that when you worked for Calvin Klein? That's when I worked for Klein. Right. That's when I worked for Klein. Did you meet Calvin? Yeah. met Calvin. I met, uh, and then my cousin. Worked. What, was, what kind of work was that? Sales? Who were you selling to? Uh, the stores. Yeah, and what was it like? What was some of the day-to-day work like? Nothing. You would have to contact the buyer, you know, and you'd have to tell them that you worked for Calvin Klein. You had a new line of clothing that you wanted to bring in to show them. And uh, Was it a lot of uh, struggle to make the sale? No, not with his stuff. Was Was he pretty established by that point? Yeah, Calvin was popular. I can't remember when he started his empire. So, yeah. so what was it like yeah. when you make the when you make those calls? When you make the well, you make the calls for Calvin. They would say, "Yeah, come in. You know, we'll talk to you." Oh yeah, and then you'd go in and. Yeah, yeah, and my cousin Maria worked for Giorgio Armani. Really, but but what, what was it like when you'd go in and you'd sit down and meet with them? Do you bring samples? Tell us a little bit about the process. Yeah, yeah. You, well, they had samples, and then well, you you're the, you're the one with samples because you've got stuff to sell. Yeah, yeah. I would bring in samples of the clothing okay. that I had, and I would show it to them, and then they would tell me, you know, how many of each they wanted and where it was going to. And uh, and what would go, what would do well? What kind of stuff would do well? What were the that? big styles back then? Do you remember? Well, anything with hot pants and long Eisenhower jackets. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. I I had, in fact, <laughs> in I was in uh, Sweden, and I went to Malmute. And I went over there, and I was walking around at Tivoli Gardens, which is a uh, which was a amusement park, a little amusement park. And all of a sudden, all these Japanese guys came up to me and started talking to me, and they said, uh, uh, "You look like a commercial," you know. And they got on each side of me, and somebody took a picture. And later on, somebody said to me, "Your rear end is splashed in Japan on a billboard somewhere." of you in an Eisenhower jacket with all these Japanese guys. It's like the first time a a photo was used without someone's permission. Maybe. You didn't care, though. What did I care? 
You don't want royalties? Nah. <laughs> no. Like I said, hot pants was the thing. Then. Hot pants was the thing? Yeah. yeah. Hot pants was the thing. Was corduroy a thing? Uh, was that? Cord- yeah, corduroy was popular, but not as well. Jeans. Jeans were big. Jeans had just come in, and I got Cheryl to buy her first pair of jeans. My friend Cheryl, we mm. went to King's Highway, and I bought uh, bell-bottom jeans. So that song, Bell-Bottom Blues, that was my era. That was you. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> and I had tons of bell-bottoms. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Did, did you yeah. like wearing those? Yeah, they were big and clunky. Uh, that's why when I buy a pair of jeans today, if the leg is too wide at the bottom, I